It's Two Brain Radio. Every week, we'll deliver top-shelf tactics to help you improve your fitness business and move you closer to wealth. And now, here's your host, the most interesting man in fitness, Chris Cooper. This episode is sponsored by Anvil Coffee, creators of the new CEO brand coffee from Two Brain. If you've ever been to a Two Brain seminar or a summit, you've heard me do a little segment called, What is the Value of a Cup of Coffee? And I shared four key points in my life where I've shared a cup of coffee with somebody really influential and it made a big deal. So in one circumstance, you know, the coffee was worth $1.70, but it got me through this mountain pass in the dead of night in Utah while I was working on a story about polygamous. And there are three other even larger examples where coffee has been worth, you know, up to $100,000 with somebody. What is a great cup of coffee worth? Well, it can be almost priceless. And if you've met me, you know that I'm always either holding a cup of coffee, drinking a cup of coffee, or maybe even talking about a cup of coffee. If I'm not doing one of those three things, I need one. And that was why, after having some Anvil coffee started by Brian Lelly, I said, this has got to be the new CEO coffee. Now, when I approached Brian, I approached him from the help first mentality. Hey, man, I want to talk about your coffee on my show. It's fantastic. And he turned right around and out helped first in me. He said, yeah, man, we are going to help. Every time somebody in the Two Brain family orders some coffee from Anvil, we're going to make a little donation to the Special Olympics, which is a charity that's very near and dear to my heart. I can't say enough about these guys. The coffee's amazing. Brian's an amazing person. He's a valuable part of the Two Brain family. He's about to teach you something on this podcast, and he's going to make a contribution to Special Olympics. Thank you, Brian. I love you, brother. I love your coffee. If you're listening to this, give Anvil Coffee a shot. You will not be disappointed. Except for this one little disappointing thing. You can't buy CEO coffee. The only way to get CEO coffee and the coveted Two Brain CEO mug is to sign up for the incubator. Details for that are on our website, twobrainbusiness.com. In 2013, I was writing a lot for CrossFit HQ. I was traveling and I was part of the CrossFit for Hope team. One of my very first assignments was to travel to St. Jude Children's Hospital, take a tour and meet Kate Foster. Kate was fighting back after a bone marrow transplant, and it was my job to rally support in the CrossFit community for the CrossFit for Hope initiative. Kate eventually became the poster child for CrossFit for Hope, especially after she made a remarkable comeback to gymnastics, and now she is starting to pursue her undergrad degree at the University of North Carolina. Go Tar Heels! While St. Jude is a miracle, they pay for families to stay while their children are undergoing treatment at no cost to them, even when the insurance runs out, it's still not an easy battle. When I visited Kate and her mom, Barb, we were in a tiny little apartment inside St. Jude. They had decorated what they could, and we were sitting in their living room, and Kate brought out this string of beads. Every time Kate had a blood transfusion, any kind of test, to major chemotherapy treatments or transfusions, she would add one little bead to this string. Now, a bead is smaller than the tip of my pinky finger. There aren't any long ones. There aren't any big ones. They're all just different colors to signify different events in Kate's treatment. And as she unraveled this string of beads, I looked at this kid who was about 13 years old at the time, just growing her hair back, and thought about the life experience she'd been through. There's a famous picture that used to be on the CrossFit for Hope site of Greg Amundsen holding up one end of the string of beads. And it traveled all the way across the room, probably a 15-foot room, 16 feet, to her mom, who was holding up the other end, sagging in the middle. The string was still too long. This is how many treatments this kid had been through in her life. And, 
In the show notes today, you can find some videos, you can find some links to some articles about Kate. There's been a ton written there, and so I'm not going to rehash the whole story. But when I ran into Kate at the Games this year, I thought it was a great opportunity to catch up, to help the CrossFit community learn how she was doing. And of course, as Kate does, she rallied me onto her side. What Kate and I would like you to do at the end of this podcast is register on BeTheMatch.com. She's given me a registration code. I think that code is going to get you free return shipping on the Cheek Swap Kit. So you put in your name and address, they send you a little cheek swab kit, it's completely painless, you send it on back, and they put your name in the registry. There's no commitment there. Uh, Taylor Kemp, who is our second guest on the show today, was Kate Foster's match that saved her life. And uh, the two of them united years later. They found each other, and I'm really eager to share with you Taylor's experience of this whole process. From the time she found out that she might actually be a match for somebody to the time where she learned who Kate actually was, all about her becoming friends, visiting Kate in Rockford, Illinois with her parents. It's a great episode, but I really hope it triggers some action. Kate's life is dedicated to inspiration. She's inspired me. She's inspired everyone she's ever met. She has inspired the CrossFit community as a whole. Now I hope she inspires you to take some positive action. Thanks for your patience with the audio in this episode. Kate and I were sitting in the affiliate area where I had snuck her up the stairs secretly uh, to do this interview at the Games. I'm very lucky to be joined today by Kate Foster, former poster child for CrossFit for Hope. And we caught up at the Games, and she's just going to tell us a little bit about what she's doing now. So welcome, Kate. Thank you. (laughs) So you want me to talk about my stuff now? Yeah. Okay. Well, tell tell us your whole story. Yeah, okay. So, gosh, five years ago now, maybe even six, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. And I had been a CrossFitter and a competitive gymnast before that. So that was a really big change for me, for going it from, you know, working out every day for, gosh, three or four hours and then going to nothing. And somehow... Uh, my CrossFit gym kind of got, you know, uh, some attention from, I think, CrossFit headquarters and just, I'm not really sure how the connection happened, but somehow I ended up uh, working with CrossFit for Hope, which is a great organization. We raised money for St. Jude Children's Hospital. There was a Hope workout and it was just a really great thing. I know we raised a lot of money for them. So I got really involved in that, doing a lot of speaking events for them and doing the work out, which was really hard, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I was doing great. I was doing stuff with them. And then I found out that I had relapsed. So my cancer had come back, and it was stronger than before. Um, so I was put in the hospital again, you know, taken out of the gym again. And I mean, I just, I got treated. I'm all good now. I got better. And then I got back to CrossFit again, of course, and back to gymnastics. I know that was a little rough. I'm sorry. But there's just like so many little things to try and recap. Okay. No, that's, that's a great <laughs> recap because that's the part that people don't know about the relapse and stuff. Right. So, so Kate, a lot of people kind of lost track when the relapse happened. You know, maybe you can just walk us through what that was like from your experience. And then we can talk about bone marrow uh, donors or bone marrow donors, bone marrow donors yeah. and how CrossFit can really help with that. Yeah, okay? So walk us through the experience of it. Yeah, so the relapse kind of came out of nowhere. You know, I was feeling great and doing great, 
And then all of a sudden, you know, I kind of noticed in the gym that I was tired a lot. And, you know, it wasn't something really bad, but it was enough in the back of my mind to go like, oh, what's going on? Like, I'm having a lot of off days. And we just happened to go out for a regular appointment. And that's when we found out that the cancer had come back. I mean, it was just like that all of a sudden. So, I mean, you know, I just, everything was back again. I mean, it's your worst nightmare is having to go through all of that a second time. And they do, they do it fast. I mean, there's no time in between to get stuff figured out. You're just all of a sudden you're back in the hospital again. So, yeah. So, I mean, I know you said that people, you know, it felt like it dropped off a little bit um, because it did. It was a huge drop off all of a sudden all the stuff I was doing it stopped um, so that's kind of what happened there but so, yeah <laughs> so just, you know what does that feel like to get that diagnosis back after you've been down this long long road yeah well I mean it's it's really hard to explain because it feels so good once you're on the you know the good side of it like you yeah. beat it it's over with thank goodness and then just to be told that you have to do it all over again it's just, it's even hard to, like, think about then. I think you're just like, how? How am I going to do this again? But you do. I mean, there's, it's not like you have a choice. You just have to go for it and hope for the best. Keep a positive mind and do everything you can. So now you're graduating high school or just graduated. Tell us what your plans are now. So I am going to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Go Tar Heels. I'm super excited. I leave, actually, I leave in 10 days. So I'm like in go time right now. I'm packing stuff up. I'm ready to go. Yeah, so I'm so excited about that. My brother, I don't know if you want this or not, but my brother is, is at Duke? Boo. So, yeah, boo. Boo. <laughs> Blue Devils, no, man. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited about the big rivalry we've got going there. I just know it's going to be a really fun year. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, so what are your plans? What are you doing in education? Yeah, so I am a biology and economics double major. That's the plan right now, anyway. Wow. Yeah, so I'd, I'd like to become a doctor eventually. I'm not really sure what kind yet, but I know it's what I want to do. I want to go into medicine. So, just getting on track for that. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, we definitely need more doctors on the side of CrossFit, and, you know, your experience is been like the power of the CrossFit community. What can we do to help with like bone marrow transplants? Maybe you can just kind of tell the audience what a bone marrow transplant is first. Yeah, so what a bone marrow transplant is, it's when patients with blood disorders like, you know, leukemia, lymphoma, sickle cell anemia, uh, aplastic anemia, have their defective bone marrow essentially killed off. I don't want to say killed off, but you use chemotherapy to knock it down and kind of wipe it out so that you've got this nice clean slate. And then you take bone marrow from a healthy donor and put it into the patient so that they have healthy bone marrow too. So it's, I mean, it's just like any other transplant, you know, like you're getting a, a liver transplant. You take the healthy liver and you put it into the sick patient. And a lot of problems arise with that though, just like they do in other transplants with how well you're matched to your donor. So this year I've had a capstone class for school this last year, and my focus was on bone marrow transplants. And because I've had two bone marrow transplants, you know, I really know how important they are, but I also knew that there were a lot of complications. 
conversations with them. So, you know, just with that matching the patient to the donor, I had a couple friends that I knew that didn't have any donors on the registry. And I mean, what an awful thing. You're being told that this is your last chance at surviving and you have no options. So with my project, I started thinking about, well, what are ways that I can get people matched? You know, those people that don't have a match, how can I get them matches? And really, the answer was really simple. The wider you make the base of the bone marrow registry, the higher the probability that any one patient will have a match on that. So I started um, doing bone marrow drives, trying to get people signed up. And of course, my mind went right to CrossFit because, you know, we have such a healthy amazing group of community-minded individuals here who I just know would do anything to help. So I recently heard a stat that there are 14,000 affiliate gyms now, and one in every 430 people get from the bone marrow registry get matched to a donor or a patient, sorry. So I kind of did the numbers there. If just one person from each affiliate gym signed up for the bone marrow registry, you could save 32 lives. CrossFit could be saving lives out there. And that's if just one person signed up. Imagine if you had four or five people from your gym sign up or your whole gym sign up. I mean, that's a crazy amount of people that you could give a chance of life to. So, Yeah, so this is something we really want to encourage affiliates to do. What's involved in getting on that donor list? Like, how how would I do it? Yeah, so it's actually really easy to sign up for the bone marrow registry. All you have to do is fill out some paperwork and do a quick cheek swap, and you're done. And you're signed up. You mail it in, or you bring it to your local blood center, which is, you know, every, every, they're all over. <laughs> and that's, that's it. So once you're on the list, you stay on for life, or sorry, not for life, until you're 60 years old. Um, so you stay on for that long. And if a patient needs a bone marrow transplant, what their doctor will do is they will look on the bone marrow registry to try and find someone that matches them. And if you are lucky enough to be matched to a patient, they do some additional screening, make sure everything's compatible, and then you, you know, get asked to donate. So there are two ways that you can donate. The first is called peripheral blood stem cell transplantation. Sounds, I know, it's, I had to think about it every time I say it, but it sounds a lot more complicated than it is. So essentially what they do is they put a needle in each of your arms and your blood goes out one arm into a machine that separates out all the cells that they need. And then the rest of your blood goes right back into your other arm. So you basically just chill out for a while and that's it. You take an iron pill for like a month after. So it's really easy to do that. And that happens 70% of the time. So that's how they donors donate 70% of the time. Now the other 30% is what people typically think when they think of bone marrow donation. It's a surgical procedure. But it's really safe by means of, you know, surgery. The biggest risk is the anesthesia, which with today's modern medicine is, I mean, it's minuscule. It's so small. So um, they put you to sleep and they take bone marrow from your hip bones. And lots of people have a common misconception that this is really painful. Um, And it's not. I've had it done a ton of times. My little sister was my first bone marrow donor. She She donated her bone marrow this way. 
and when she was seven, she was more concerned about the flu shot that she got the next day. That hurt worse. So a lot of people compare it to, you know, slipping on ice and landing on your tailbone. And that's really the extent of any discomfort you have. And it goes away within a week or two. So, yeah, it's, it's really not that bad. Yeah. Come on, you CrossFitters. You can do more than that. <laughs> yeah. So I think that keeps a lot of people from signing up. They're really worried about that. But it's, I mean, it's, it's not at all what they think it is. It's really simple. Um, again, you take an iron pill for like a month afterwards and that's it. You've, I mean, you have the potential there to save somebody's life. It's crazy. Okay, Kate. So I think this is, you know, a cause that's really important and easy for us to get behind. Like a lot of the times we look at the CrossFit Foundation as you know what is HQ doing to represent the affiliates but this is more of a grassroots effort that number one anybody can do and number two it's it's kind of our responsibility to do right definitely yeah, yeah. so okay yeah anything okay. else you want right. to yeah can I say one more um, so the other really cool thing about doing this through CrossFit is that CrossFit is all over the world so when you're trying to find a match for a patient the genetics play a big part in how compatible you are with the donor. So, you know, race and ethnicity play a big part in whether you match someone or not. So, I mean, you know, having a worldwide organization get into this and sign up gives, you know, chances to those minority races and ethnicities. I mean, you know, if you have a minority race and a minority ethnicity within that race, the chances of you finding a donor are slim to none. So, I mean, it's really important that we make this a worldwide thing and get everyone to sign up. Now, Imagine you're a college kid, and on campus one day, a recruiter for an agency asks you to swab the inside of your cheek and place the swab in a plastic baggie. You don't think much of it, all your friends are doing it. But months later, you find out that you are the one who has been matched. That there's a young teenage girl whose life you can save if you're willing to undergo a little bit of testing. And then finally, one little donation process that's going to leave you with a bruised feeling. Would you say yes? Surprisingly, a number of people don't. Once they find out what their potential is, they get scared. The opportunity is maybe too big for them and it becomes paralyzing. But Taylor Kemp said yes to Kate. Her donation saved Kate's life. And it's really interesting to hear this whole story from Taylor's perspective because, of course, she didn't know Kate. She didn't know the whole CrossFit community was behind her. She didn't find out who Kate was until years after the surgery. I'm going to let her tell the story, but I hope it triggers you to action to hear what the actual reward of donation can mean to the donor, not just the recipient. All right, Taylor, it's great to meet you and thanks a lot for coming on. I'd love to know your story of what brought you to be a donor in the first place. Well, thanks for having me on, Chris. I was a student at UGA at the time, University of Georgia, and at our student center, they were doing a rally to try to find a match for a girl in our community um, who had cancer and I had some time before my next class. So I went up and I did the whole cotton swab in the mouth thing. Uh, they put it in an envelope and I wasn't a match for that girl, but they submitted my DNA to the national bank. And maybe six months later, after I had already graduated, I got a call saying that I was a potential match for a 13 year old girl with leukemia. And wow. they asked me if I would be willing to come in and have some extra tests run to confirm whether or not I was indeed a match. 
Um, and I said, of course. And, you know, I think maybe it was just a God thing because I was looking for a job at the time. And so I had so much free time available. Wow. So, yeah. So I was able to spend the time necessary to go to all of these doctor's appointments to confirm that I was a match. So they did a whole bunch of blood work, made sure, you know, I, I didn't have any conflicting medical issues that would have tampered with the procedure. And so then they called me a couple weeks later and they said, you are a match. Would you like to do this? And normally I am a very anxious, calculated person. I'm very skeptical. I overthink everything. But for some reason, this decision, I was so at peace with it. And my parents seemed to be more concerned than I was, you know, especially my dad, because it's like their daughter going under a knife for someone, but I had the time to do it. And I don't know of anyone in my circle who, when given this opportunity, they would say no, you know? So of course I said yes. And I had a representative from the National Mirror Donor Program. They called me on the phone and they spoke with me for a couple hours and it was just a very in-depth meeting. And they sent me a packet of every potential side effect and what the procedure would be like. And, you know, I read it and my mom read it. And so, yeah, then uh, before the surgery, I actually had to go, you know, to the American Red Cross mm -hmm. and they took some uh, pints of my blood just in case I needed a transfusion. So there were a couple of little loose end processes I had to do before the surgery. And then Kate received my donation on 12-12-12, which wow. is a very easy date to remember. Cool. But they flew me up to Washington, D.C. I live in Atlanta because the hospital there, I think it was Georgetown. They specialize in this procedure. And so I did it there. My mom went with me. They flew us up there immediately afterwards. They flew the mirror to her the same day because it was, she was in desperate need of it. And before you receive a mirror donation, you have to undergo all of these treatments and it lowers your immune levels. Mm -hmm. And so she needed it right away. So they flew it up to her that day. And then we were not able to contact each other for about, I, I think it was six or nine months. And then we both had to agree. We filled out a form with our information and we said, yeah, let's swap information. And so immediately when I saw, sorry if I'm talking too much, if you want to interject. No, perfect. Keep going. Immediately I saw her name was Kate Foster and she was from Rockford, Illinois. So I was like, maybe she's a Facebook or something. So I Googled Kate Foster. I think I Googled Kate Foster Cancer, Illinois. And I was expecting to find like a Caring Bridge page or something like that. And obviously if you know Kate, what I found was staggering. I had yeah. no idea how amazing this person actually was. And I just cried. I was watching video after video of her story of this like in incredibly talented gymnast losing her leg and, you know, but she's still pressing forward and doing CrossFit for kids. And, and I was just, I was so amazed at it. I showed my mom the video. She cried. And then I forgot who reached out first, but me and Kate started emailing back and forth uh, for a couple years. And we realized we have so much in common. She's very wise beyond her years. And I think going through <laughs> something like this, will do that to a person. And she's just very well-spoken. You know, she's done so many speeches. And even though she's been able to do all of these th things and she's so accomplished and so smart, she's so incredibly humble too. 
and we read a lot of the same books. We watch a lot of the same shows. I mean, she became my friend, you know, and Mm. the most unusual set of circumstances, how our friendship was formed. But, you know, we wrote novel length emails to each other back and forth, you know, asking questions. A couple years later, her parents reached out to me and they were like, we want to surprise Kate. Would it be okay if we fly you up here and you can spend, you know, the weeks leading up to Christmas with us. And I said, of course. And they flew me up there and Kate had no idea. And they picked me up at the airport and she was literally speechless. She couldn't say anything. Wow. It was one of the best weekends I ever spent. I mean, the Fosters, they're an incredibly close family, Brad and Kate's sister. But yeah, I, I got to spend the whole week with them and I got to see what their Christmas traditions were. Uh, they actually took me to a Christmas tree farm and we cut down our own tree and nice. I'm from the South. So we just go to the lot, uh, like <laughs> Publix or something, but yeah. So that's, I guess in a nutshell, how our friendship came to be. Wow. So I guess what stops a lot of people, Taylor is it's not that cheek swap. It's, it's the testing that happens if you are a match, right? Can you kind of walk us through that process? Yeah. Yeah. The testing. Yeah, like uh, they called me and they said I was a potential match. And they asked me if I would be willing to go on some more tests to confirm that I was a match. And so it started with just some blood work, uh, going to a hospital. And they had me track my gas mileage. And they reimburse you for all of that. Hmm. Don't get paid or anything. But, you know, I wasn't looking for any monetary gain from it. Yeah. And so after, I think it was two or three times, I actually committed to the process they told me, if you're going to commit, you need to commit because the most dangerous thing a person can do is commit to the process and the recipient is being prepared medically on the other end. And then the person backs out because then they're at risk because of all the pre-op procedures that they've gone through. Mm -hmm. Um, They're at risk to get a disease or um, because their immune system levels are so low. Um, And so, but like I said, it was very uncharacteristic of me with how at peace I felt throughout the whole process okay so once they once they get you to georgetown what is the process there yeah well they flew us up there and there was a hotel right next to the hospital and so they we me and my mom we went there and the morning of i'm trying to remember it was a while ago (laughs) it was five years ago (laughs) so we went back to a room and they took my blood and I waited a while and then they kind of explained what would be happening. And then it's, it's like a surgery. You, you go back there and you're put under anesthesia completely under and the actual surgery itself, I was laying on my stomach mm-hmm. and there's two surgeons in there with giant like extraction needles. Wow. They put those in my hip bones and um, then they extracted the mirror from there. And then I woke up and the effects of the surgery itself, like I was a little sore there, like maybe I slipped on some ice or something, but the effects of the anesthesia were worse for me than the actual effects of the surgery itself. I was a really big into running at the time. um, So I had to wait a while before I could exercise again. Okay. Weird once I started to, but then, you know, I'm, I'm completely used to it now and everything's good. Wow. That's awesome. So what was the, what was the hardest part, I guess, of, of being a donor? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think because the whole process didn't seem difficult for me because of the season of life I was in. I had the time available. Nice. But for anyone potentially wanting to be a donor, 
I would say that the biggest commitment is time as far as going to all the appointments that you need to go to before and reading the manual and just educating yourself on the process. And, and I think another, another difficulty that many donors experience is when their recipient doesn't make it when the recipient loses their battle. And that's something that's listed in the really informative workbook they sent me, you know, like saying that a lot of donors feel guilt afterwards. Fortunately, oh, um, yeah. I did not experience that guilt and Kate's doing great and she's freshman in college right now. And so um, it worked out, but I could definitely see how that would be the hardest for someone. Okay. Is there any kind of like uh, therapy available to donors whose matches don't work out? I don't know. I'm hmm. not sure. I wouldn't be surprised though, because if there were, because I had like an agent assigned to me and repeatedly after the surgery, she would call me in like certain increments to check up on me, see how I'm, oh. doing, how I'm doing emotionally. And I guess it, it was very smooth emotionally for me, but I, I probably think that if it wasn't, they would have something set up. It, it seems like everything's really well run. Yeah. So Taylor, just really quickly, it, it's my mission and Kate's to get as many donors as we can in the next 30 days. Give everybody the best reason you can think of for signing up. Okay. Like I said before, I am easily overwhelmed by big life choices, but this wasn't a big life choice to me. It was a choice to save someone's life. And I think that opportunity doesn't come around very often for people. Has this changed your life too? Yes. Yes, it definitely has. Um, For the better, it's created friendships. It's made me feel good about myself. It's made my family really proud of me. My friends have asked more questions about the process and how they can get involved. That's awesome. Been able to educate other people. Well, I think you're going to be the catalyst for a lot of other people taking that step, Taylor. Um, it was really important for us to hear from you. So thank you very much. Great. All right. Okay. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by the Two Brain UK Summit, November 11th and 12th at Reebok CrossFit Thames in London, England. We are taking our famous summit on the road to Europe this fall, and we hope to see you there. November 11th and 12th, Reebok CrossFit Thames, the largest box in the UK. We're going to be there. Jason Williams is going to be there. Some other Two Brain Mentors will join me. We'll have some coaches there. We'll have some special guests. You can sign up on our site, twobrainbusiness.com forward slash summit.